0: Good evening and welcome to the Italian Radio Hour. Io sono Viviana and I would like to welcome back our regular listeners and also welcome any new listeners and everyone listening online at khbradio.com. Also be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at Italian Radio Hour and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch up on any past episodes. Vorrei dare il benvenuto a tutti i nostri ascoltatori in tutto il mondo, grazie per essere con noi anche oggi mentre continuiamo il nostro viaggio per per l'Italia e la cultura italiana. In this episode we will have a very interesting conversation with photographer, book author and wine sommelier Robin Gisling on the many wine doors. Or windows or buchette or sportellini in Italian that have been adorning, uh, Florence for many, many centuries. Probably they made their appearance during the, uh, the Medici times and have been featured recently, especially in the last couple of years in many magazines as the contactless modality that served well over time back in the day and could have served as well during, um, during COVID times. Robin has made her passion um, and her photographic goal and maybe even obsession, who knows, about documenting as many of these beautiful uh, wine doors uh, with the end result of a beautiful book, Wine Doors of Florence, to help you discover them for yourself. Ma prima, pubblicità. Parli italiano, you want to learn, improve, or master your Italian? Istituto Mondo Italiano can help. Located in the heart of Regent Square, Mondo Italiano offers small group classes and one-on-one private tutoring to help you learn Italian in no time. Visit us online at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org. Un caffè per favore. My first cup of coffee sets the tone for my entire day, and I get my coffee at La Prima Espresso. La Prima has been brewing Pittsburgh's best coffee for nearly 35 years. Try any of their in-house roasted varieties of beans from all over the world at home, or come and enjoy an espresso or a cappuccino at any of their locations where their friendly baristas and familiar faces will make you feel at home. Because a trip to La Prima is like a little trip to Italy, only closer to home. Well, we're now finally ready to bring on Robin Gislin. Buonasera, it, Robin!
1: Buonasera tutti.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, what part of the world are you? Uh, am I currently finding you at?
1: I am still in Florence at the moment.
0: Okay. So how um, how much time do you get to spend in in Italy versus the United States? And I, um, you are you are a New Yorker, right?
1: I would say I'm a New Yorker, uh, as that's where I spent most of my adult life. But I think I've I wasn't born there and I didn't grow up there, but that's where I I say I'm from. But uh, in terms of Florence, I think I've been here about a year and a half now this time. And then I... I I skipped COVID and was here in Florence for about two years before that, and then I've lived in Naples and I've done three months in Piedmont and three months and uh, over there and two years in Naples. Yeah,
0: yeah, we will definitely talk about all your all your experiences in Italy because from what you just mentioned, Piedmont and Naples and everything, you got to really experience uh, Italy three hundred and sixty five you know uh, degree with the, all the different variations and the sfumature of Italianness. Uh, but uh, can we share? With with our um, listeners and our viewers, a little bit about yourself and your uh, your background.
1: Well, I started as a music engineer, believe it or not, and then uh, I got really interested in wine. Living in New York, and uh, I found myself really interested with Italian wine and Italian culture. As I was studying, you know, the entire world of wine, I, I fell in love with the the ideals of the smaller italian winemakers and started learning the language and then i started going back and forth between new york and italy and then it turned into uh, a blog and then it turned into a wine blog with photography and then i scrapped the blog and just started doing the photography and then discovered the (laughs) wine doors of florence and then it turned and nobody had done a complete photographic study of them and Mm -hmm. i was completely surprised by that and, and got that started
0: so, when was your first trip to Italy? The first, maybe, uh, maybe your first visit, and then maybe your first meaningful trip to um, to Italy.
1: I did do three weeks study abroad in graduate school, believe it or not, uh, for mm-hmm. a, a food and wine class and nutrition class that was also here in Florence at NYU's uh, gorgeous campus, and then I would say. Probably the following year, I did three months of work with Slow Food in Bra in Piedmont. Yeah. Oh, ah, so, okay. I went, I went super quick, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, so when you were in, uh, in Florence the first time, did you notice any of those uh, white windows? Or was it something that you discovered and researched um, uh, later, you know, as you then uh, started this project?
1: They were actually later because I, you know, the the study abroad course was just so jam-packed that, you know, we didn't, I didn't explore much, but then I was just happened to be on a a walking tour with a, a friend and the tour guide knew the, um, the one, what I call the famous one, because it's got the the signage still above it, where it's got the hours of operation, which still, <laughs> you know, closed at lunch, open from nine to three. And then, then we got to come back at five. And so <laughs> a lot of tour guides stopped there and they just said, this is a wine window and then a wine door. And they went about their day. And I was like, wait, what? There's got to be more than one of these. And lucky librarian down at the Oblate <laughs> Library, he knew of one book that was from probably 20 years prior that just had a list of addresses in the back and some very slim information. And just with that list of addresses, I started the... Here is your the treasure following. hunt.
0: <laughs> the map of your treasure yeah. hunt had just been uh, handed uh, um, over to you. Now, for those of you that might not know exactly what we're referring to, uh, first of all, there is, uh, I think, the, the debate. Uh, wine windows, wine doors, do you have a preference? Um, and in Italy, in Italian also, we have, a, you know, many different naming conventions, but between windows and doors so do you have a preference
1: i prefer doors because if, if, at least for the translation it, you know the bouquette doesn't you know translate beautifully and <laughs> so, you know the, the little <laughs> holes i'm like no that, that's, not <laughs> that's not nice um but to me it's like when i was explaining to people about the project and what they were i was like well you they were wooden doors and you knocked on this small wooden door and you opened the little door so it, for me it was doors but then uh the association decided windows because they thought it was you know the window to the world of wine. But I was like, but well, they're not glass. They're they're, <laughs> they're not they're not windows. They're doors. They're little wooden doors. So I prefer doors. Okay, and uh, so
0: tell us a little bit about the origin of the uh, wine doors and uh, uh, who maybe used them both as. Uh, the wine givers so, so to speak distributors and um, uh, so yes tell us a little bit about the history behind them.
1: Sure so it, it kind of came about uh, during the Medici when uh, the second round of Medici and they were trying to you know put more money in the banks right so the 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 wealthy folk were saying hey look you know we're, we're tired of dealing with the guilds we don't want to have to sell our wares Through these middlemen anymore. Uh, So what what can we do to increase our profits so we can put more money in your bank that they decided to uh, say, okay, if you make agricultural produce outside the city walls of Florence, and then you can sell them directly from your house. And so that's where these little doors turned up. And then, uh, you know, from the fiasco bottle that was still used out in the, in the countryside in Chianti, because they were all bottled in the countryside and brought in in mm-hmm. bottles. So then they would have um, it. So that's why they're the perfect size for the, the Chianti fiasco is that's how they were sold.
0: So um you just mentioned something also about the produce. So is there any likelihood that out of these windows, in addition to wine, maybe uh, some of the uh uh the families would have sold produce or other things that um or it was just strictly wine?
1: That is likely that once mm-hmm. they once they were uh open for use that there's like okay we sell this other agricultural product next to our grapes why can't we sell it out through here as well
0: mm-hmm. yes uh so then um you talked about the chianti fiasco and my question and maybe i have two questions the first one is um any records on what kind of wine could that be uh, you know the vino della casa at those times uh, was it up to our standards or maybe just something
1: colored? (laughs) It was (laughs) definitely not up to our current standards, no. Uh, But it was, uh, you know, it's kind of a toss up. It was very likely at least Sangiovese or colorino uh, or something of that ilk, because that's what is always been, has always been around uh, this area. But, uh, you know, nothing ever really got solidified as, you know, Wine labeling didn't really happen until the 60s, the 1960s, mm-hmm. so, you know, with Renaccia di Semin being the very first uh, DOC. So, uh-huh. so, yeah, there it was definitely either probably even a little sweeter, a little lower in alcohol because it was still the pretty rustic production. Okay. But still, clean, still cleaner than the water out of the Arno.
0: <laughs> um, so you mentioned, uh, the Chianti, the Fiaschi, Fiaschetti, um, and something about the size of the windows is, um, so, um, those, uh, lovely Fiaschi that, uh, they're kind of, I might have one up here, but anyway, we, when we see those, uh, it's like, a, uh, the, with the straw around it, um, Tell us a little bit about the size and everything, and whether in your research or going back, you notice that something has changed either in the bottles or the windows.
1: Well, amusingly, I, for the photography, I went and bought a, a modern Fiasco bottle, and I didn't—I I must have bought one that was too big because it didn't fit in any of the ones I was trying to take a picture. Uh-huh. Of. Uh, and I was like, mm. uh, "Let's see if I can." you guys are sharing the screen here there's uh the perfect uh uh-huh. um, trying to see where mine, mine is mm-hmm. up here in that upper left of of this uh mm-hmm. image that I'm sharing for those of you on the radio not so helpful uh <laughs> that it, it's literally the perfect size of uh-huh. probably about the one liter size um, but then there are also if you look at the the differences in shapes of of the of the collage here that they kind of even the shape of the doors and size of the doors changed the they were also theorizing that the smaller ones were the first ones and then as more people made them they got bigger mm-hmm. uh, so but also with the with the straw I would like I say it was actually you know what I, I always called it the the bubble wrap of the time because the way uh-huh. you stack the bottles in the uh, in the cart then mm-hmm. you could if you put four four straw bottles together then you would the and the necks were just tall enough that one would stack right in between. And uh-huh. uh, they would sit between the necks of the, of the bottles below.
0: Uh-huh. The bubble wrap actually... of the Renaissance. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, yeah, it's very uh, ingenious. And the bottle that I do have, which is an antique bottle, is definitely smaller on what is uh, currently um, available. So, yes, maybe. Now, at what point, uh, how many had you seen or located? <coughs> Excuse me. Before you said, I want to make a project of this, you know, at what time from curiosity turn
1: into, may I say, obsession? <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a serious research effort? <laughs> yes, um, indeed. <laughs> well, I would, I would say even probably just, you know, once I heard, you know, Wine Door, and I was already studying wine and wine culture that, you know, and then I found that book uh early iPhone days uh that you know I literally just I checked out the book from the library and photocopied those pages and mm-hmm. uh was just and I mean, literally just got on Google Maps and just started walking and walking and walking until I had every single one in the back of that book uh checked mm-hmm. off and then by the time I had photographed probably <laughs> 120 mm. um the association yeah yeah the, the uh, an associate a cultural association for the protection of the bukete uh came out we kind of were working in parallel and didn't know each other for until i saw a plaque on one <laughs> of them I was like wait where did this come from uh which was like about two years after i started the project and i contacted them and just because of their promotion efforts uh other people started reporting to them about having one in their courtyard, which you couldn't see from the street, for example, so you know, it, I think a lot of a lot of the awareness of them now has brought up probably closer to two hundred, mm-hmm. which I have not, I've, which I've not been able to photograph the the rest.
0: Yes, and uh, also, um, I believe not everyone was aware um, to have a bouquetta. On their uh, buildings uh, wall or something, because some of them got repurposed, whether they're buzzers or maybe they got closed in, right? There is no, there wasn't, and I don't know now if there is any protection of uh, these little bouquets. So, have you noticed that some of them got
1: repurposed? Well, I, I do know that even from the book list, list of addresses I had from that one book, that I couldn't find three. Like mm-hmm. there was absolutely nowhere on the building, and it looked like maybe it had they had been plastered over. Mm-hmm. Now, probably, let's see the black hole that is COVID. Uh, the maybe about five or six years ago, um, mm-hmm. someone was having air conditioning installed on the inside of their building, and uh, they put the it, it had maybe had it not damaged the frame of it mm-hmm. uh, okay. that two air conditioning vents appeared one day and everybody threw an absolute fit mm-hmm. and <laughs> they were like wait a minute It made the made them go fix it and mm-hmm. then I think now they are especially since the entirety of the Centro Storico is a UNESCO heritage site that uh, they are themselves protected I don't mm-hmm. think you could wall them up now I don't think you can um, I don't think even well you can restore them Because I know three places that have, uh, you know, restored them since the uh, popularity of the Mm -hmm. Stanley Tucci episode. Um, So people are serving out of them now. But um, I, yeah. But in terms of walling them up or uh, modifying them, other than restoration, I don't think is possible.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking through different pages
1: and different bouquets that are at different
0: heights. Most of them tend to be either under uh, windows. Um, and uh, uh, or close to the doors and what the bouquet led to what um, a seller or uh, do you know what would um, is there any record of what was behind and who was serving um, the the wine do you, do we have any information
1: well, it was definitely, you know, the service staff, or the kitchen staff likely, or even uh, a farmer if they were uh, working in the cellar by chance. But yes, usually like this one here was not so low, but it was also kind of, you know, Florentines can be uh, very private people, that these were at a height where you weren't looking face-to-face in, the, in like the modern customer service sense it was just knock knock here's my money handing my wine so they were probably more at like waist level mm-hmm. and then some of them when you can see them from the inside like if you've ever been to any of the other larger palazzi in Italy where you know if the windows were high up enough that you couldn't see in there would be like two little steps. For mm-hmm. the person to see out. <laughs> yes. so, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of these ones that are, look really low to the street, and we also have to think about the modern street, kind of like in Rome, the modern streets have, are now higher than where they were mm-hmm. then, you know, mm-hmm. plumbing and et cetera, et cetera. But the, the ones I have seen from the insides, so several of them do have like the two steps up to the, to the bouquetta, so you could pass it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you obviously,
0: you know, you uh, know, in Italy, people are not watching Stanley Tucci, um, but um, have you <laughs> talked to uh, locals uh, of different generations to see who was aware of some of them? Because, I mean, <clears throat> by looking at the photography, uh, some of them may be the recipients of many graffitis So. sell um, Although that happens with a lot of other masterpieces, Um, but uh, others, uh, on the other hand, got um, some uh, nice graffiti, so at least they're depicting something, uh, you know, interesting. So I was wondering if you had any, if you had conversations with people, the younger people, the older people, and um, see what was the degree of awareness. Uh, here it, that was exactly the one I was looking at.
1: <laughs> right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, perfect. Uh, you know, it, it. I don't think I've really found anyone that recalls them in use because they haven't really been in use since yeah. mm-hmm. World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find um, one photograph in the Alanari archive, which was from the 50s, where it was at least still in... The, the actual door of the restaurant uh-huh. but um i can't find anybody that, that recalls using them um, yeah yeah
0: more than, than than the actual use is the awareness like for instance in rome uh in uh, uh piazza navona right be, uh, behind it there is the statue of the pasquino and uh you know some people might know that that's where the the, the pasquina is where people leave notes to kind of uh, express their opinion about the political situation and uh, you can still find some notes but if you ask random people about the talking fountains of Rome, they might look at you so it's not always you know common knowledge even for the residents
1: they well, might true. see some treasures <laughs> I, I would say again also before the association when i was uh you know people were like were looking at me funny when i was taking pictures of the ones that were kind of i'll say a little less interesting they would be like oh, these, these were for madonna these, these were nothing interesting these are just where they you know you used to put your offering i'm like no no they weren't <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they, they were yeah they, they truly didn't understand that they were for wine because they have a very similar shape to to you know the niches for the madonna mm-hmm. and so it was fascinating but like i said the association now we've got a pretty good understanding of what they are
0: uh, so these are the associ- uh, Associazione buchette del, uh, del Vino. Um, so what is the, um, you might have mentioned before, the final number that they, and are they just in Florence or can we find them um, somewhere outside Florence?
1: The association has, again, with their with their promotion, they've found some in Pistoia. They've found some in, um, I know there's two in Fiesole, but mm-hmm. that's still technically the province of Florence, so I don't know if that okay. right, no. mm-hmm. um then uh, i would have to look more into their list because but it's definitely something that originated in florence yeah and then maybe if someone saw it they took the idea elsewhere but they definitely originated.
0: that would be that would be really interesting to see how the phenomenon uh, spread out so uh well um again maybe through some of the pictures and maybe your description um, how would someone go about um, enjoying, you know, finding them and the order that you have put them in the book? Would that help to be, you know, the, the bouquette would be closer to one another? Did you go in? What is the order? Yes. Well,
1: <laughs> the book, this is what I call the, uh, the traveler's version of my coffee table book that was mm-hmm. uh, was handmade and uh, was in a limited edition of 10. So th- the sequence in the book is very much if you were sitting with a photography book and looking through them one by one. So in, in that terms, they're more in a photographic storytelling order than any kind of uh, helpful touristic order. I uh, mm-hmm. would like to redo the book and that's kind of in what's in the works now, but uh, between uh, trying to catch research libraries open at the right time, uh, and another work I've got going on, uh, I would like to do kind of like a, like little maps. Like here's, a, here's one little walking rod, because mm-hmm. you can do, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight on Via Santo Spirito alone and mm-hmm. have, a, have your own little walking tour done in 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, have yeah. to be like, oh, there, there's one, there's one, there's one, but, uh-huh. uh, but like getting into some of the information on, who lived there and when. And I mean, and my inner wine nerd wants to know what kind of grapes mm-hmm. that family grew, that kind of thing. That So that gets, that can be quite intense. But so for the paperback though, I did make sure to put the addresses underneath. So mm-hmm. if, if nothing else you could, if you find one particularly interesting in the book, you have the address and you just plug mm-hmm. that right into your... So, yes. one seems to be exactly the
0: right place because it belongs to a fiaschetteria da i Latini, the one in Via de Palchetti, number six, because indeed that's where you would go and get one. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but uh, let me see, I might have to look at it a uh, uh, closer picture. I see that the, I don't think it's closed up, maybe not in use, but it might be just a wooden.
1: Uh, no, th- theirs is open, but I've never seen the music
0: okay okay wonderful uh so uh, uh so let's let's talk about and maybe if you have any visuals of some of the ones that um, um, either are not to be missed because there is indeed some indication or uh i don't know uh, i'll I, i'll let you take the lead on what you would like to uh show us and 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 tell us about some of these uh, uh these bouquette
1: Sure. So this one here is the one I was speaking of earlier, where it's got there. Um, the signage is, is right above the right above the door there that mm-hmm. it tells you we are open for service from. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And, and then for, again in the afternoons, but then if it's August, then we're not open yeah, it, it So that was. <laughs> Things that have not changed. Not, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> and this one's pretty close to Santa Maria Novella. So this one, you know, either uh, is very easy to find. And, and, but this photograph, like, just even stories of photography w- was quite difficult because up until recently, this was completely, the street was always completely full of motorino parking. Like I, oh. I had to be, this is at 7am <laughs> to trying to get, you know, nobody's come to sure. town yet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and but this one's the a really interesting one, and in, in this one here that's at uh, the other side of the Duomo. You will completely uh-huh. miss this because it's um, in a restaurant right behind a. Re- it, the seating for the restaurant is right in front of it, obviously. And then uh, if you peek your head in, they've they've gotten so used to people peeking their head in, go go for <laughs> it. Uh, it's it's the door to the kitchen now. But uh-huh. in this one on the uh, on the back uh, here on in like say it's Piazza Duomo. Mm-hmm. has uh all of its original iron uh latches behind
0: mm-hmm. it wow,
1: but I think it's so rusty that it, it <laughs> I don't think nobody's ever tried to my knowledge mm-hmm. to try to open mm-hmm. it, but just to see all of that ironwork there is completely fascinating mm-hmm uh, let's see. Then, I, then the one,
0: uh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, while you choosing the next one, I'm looking at the one in Via Guelfa that is uh, now a Posta uh, Grandini. So it became a mailbox,
1: right? And It is perfect. <laughs> perfect little place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now Vivali's got an interesting story. The gelateria. Uh, when I was doing this too. Uh I'd asked them, they were super slow, they weren't serving anyone that day. And uh-huh. I asked this the the lovely um the lovely woman behind the cashier. And I was like, uh, she's like, you know what these are for, right? She's like, oh, yes, of course. She's like, but we didn't, she just started volunteering information. I'm like, thank you so much. She's like, we didn't know we had one until the flood of 66. Uh-huh. Like, because yeah. it was completely sealed over. Uh-huh. And when the flood, which was uh see, I, I think not in this photograph but somewhere on that street there's the marker of where the floodwaters reached in 66 She said "Yeah, and mm-hmm. our, our walls almost disintegrated and when mm-hmm. we were cleaning that up to to repair them we found this little niche and so we restored it so they mm-hmm. like i say talking about we don't know how many we've lost as well mm-hmm. before uh before people got fascinated with them because you know if this was I don't know how long Vivoli's been around but you know if they, they didn't find mm-hmm. it again until 66
0: yeah and I'm looking oh. exactly uh at the same <clears throat> at the same and uh I see that there is also a little there's a bigger plaque um, but that I believe maybe it's for someone and then there is another plaque in the middle and that that metal rod I, I wonder if um, any of it um, was an indication of the flood
1: okay um Tell us somewhere else. Take us somewhere else. <laughs> so I, I don't have a well. Like the other fascinating thing about this project, though, is even if you use my addresses to find them, they're going to be <laughs> different because this is a uh, Osteria della Bella Donna, which is mm-hmm. down the street from the other one. And at the time I was taking these pictures, it was completely sealed up on the other side. Uh-huh. So uh, d- especially during COVID, when people couldn't, you know, come into your restaurant um he had it uh hollowed out and uh repainted the or got the green off the door repaired the doors you can see it split
0: uh-huh so some... now he's got <laughs>
1: yeah, so now he's got two big banners on both sides like look i've got a wine door <laughs> <laughs> but he can serve out of it too no, but it's kind of funny though because as we as i was saying this one's actually quite high up compared Mm -hmm. to the cellar that is and was the the basement and is now the restaurant is like you step down into this restaurant so the this even though it's hip level at the street you have to go up a couple of stairs to get to it Mm -hmm. to to sort of out of it so uh he doesn't you know you can't just knock on it and he'll come running you have to kind of stick your nose in and say hey i'd like to use the wine door and then he'll come with the glass um Mm -hmm. but so but it's also just fascinating watching these things change even since i've uh, done this round of photography
0: mm-hmm. so um let's see so it's a, as you said before and uh you know the maybe a possible um iterate reiteration of the book would be with more information about um, because now you have kind of the photography and just add the information that you're sharing with us Um uh, so is that, and then Nisha, you're also working on something else. And I don't know if you can tell us about what you're working on, but go ahead. Yeah, that was another one I was looking at, um, in, in, in the book. And when I tried, I think I connected you over the summer and I was all over, I, I was really all over, um, Italy this summer. And, uh, that was, that was something that I had and I had to postpone it to really go around Florence with your book and trying to find a few, uh, a few of them and just, Time, as usual, was now was uh, was never enough. So now I have my next adventure planned uh, plan out to see Florence from a different perspective.
1: <laughs> oh, nice! Right. Uh, well, my next project is actually a, a documentary, of still photographer, photographic documentary of uh, Casa del Vino wine bar over next to Macrod Centrali. Not sure if mm-hmm. you're familiar. Uh, it's a uh, second family third generation currently in it fourth generation just started working there she just uh graduated university uh and it's just the the care he takes with his wine selection and uh the products that he sells for for being such a tiny place is you know it's something that really needs to be documented and preserved as as these places get uh as these places start to disappear uh, as the bigger Florence gets so I want to make sure that place is well documented
0: uh-huh. And um uh, so obviously uh being a wine sommelier as well uh if i can uh you know we, we you can if there is do you want to tell us a little bit about the the that we are uh actually looking at uh on the screen right now
1: well just for me this is one of the 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 most fascinating one because of the the level of detail they went for the frame it's just mm-hmm. it's kind of it's obviously to me one of the later ones because it looks like they even went ahead and cut out from the frame of the the windowsill mm-hmm. to put this in and then mm-hmm. it's got the the hint of the arch at the top but then to have gone ahead and gone into the full brick and to put uh, wine sales on top of it to me is always just completely fascinating and then photographically speaking the textures on the walls was quite a interesting addition it it also turned into a study of drain pipes paint and and wine doors (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) so if I can take advantage of your knowledge of uh uh of uh, Florence uh for those people going there either for the first time or maybe coming back Are there some must-go places that uh, you would recommend to enjoy a nice uh, glass of vino, whether it's for an aperitivo, an apericena, or just, you know, doing some wine tasting?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah, so like I said, Casa del Vino next to the Mm -hmm. Mercato Centrale over there in San Lorenzo is the one I'm doing the book on now, not to miss. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other side of the river, if you're not looking for it, you will miss it um it, it, it's in every guidebook so if you're doing your research you will find uh the Vope luva
0: mm-hmm. a
1: great little place uh also that's more of an apericena they close at 9 p.m because the is only open for lunch and then friday and saturday they're open late um mm-hmm. let's see but like in terms of like a great wine list for a proper dinner you're still probably looking at Il santo bevatore you know mm-hmm. uh, it's always got a great list um in the wine bar equivalent, there are little next door wine bars, Il Sentino mm-hmm. um, but yeah, little little snacks, um, <laughs> little, little Scooby snack. Uh, let's see. <laughs> then put me on the spot here. I usually have my list already in the back of my head here. Uh, no, that's a
0: good one. well. Uh, if we want uh, to pair up some food, any type of food that you would recommend, uh, you know, some specialties of the Florentine uh, cuisine. Um, what would come to your mind?
1: Well, I just had a great big bowl of Ribolita at lunch today. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. It's it's even that we have this blazing hot summer and now we're having this nice mild autumn and I'm I'm enjoying, but I still Can wanted you, my soup. Uh-huh. Can <laughs> you
0: explain what obviously Ribolita means? But again, it might be um new to some of our listeners. So uh what is it? What does it look like? how well, so is he
1: served <laughs> it's a highly unattractive looking bowl of soup uh it you know ribonita for the for the language learners and it's uh, cooked twice uh, re-boiled so it's uh, the tuscan kale and cannellini beans and uh and it's mostly bread so it's mm-hmm. kind of like uh, as my friend said today at lunch she's like oh this is like the winter papa al pomodoro so you've got your, <laughs> your summer bread and tomato soup and you've got your winter kale and bean bread soup uh but then you and your your celery carrot onion um I say the kale the beans the bread and i don't know there's salt pepper garlic i, I mean it, it's something that it's another one of those tuscan things that sounds so simple and i mean yeah literally you could just throw all the it stuff in the pot so
0: delicious food. yes
1: come, yeah. italian comfort food <laughs> exactly it is very uh weighty if you got that stale bread in there but it you know and it's a, usually served in a little you know I'll, I, I'll call it a country-ish kind of brown bowl because especially yeah, little
0: terracotta type yeah. of uh
1: mm-hmm. yes yeah. so it, Trattoria Casalinga is where i was uh today for lunch uh, which is also wow. highly recommended
0: Yes, that Casalinga gives an idea of authenticity right uh, right there. Uh so uh before you had mentioned um working on a slow food project, um actually in our uh previous episodes we had an interview with uh, the uh global uh community manager of the slow food youth uh network um which is obviously a spin off of uh, slow food can you uh, share a little bit about what you did with them and how was your experience in bra
1: oh well this was so long ago and so even in the beginning early stages of slow food even existing um all I really did for them was to, was just media projects. It was just mm-hmm. getting the, getting some photography done and and just some general media work. There was no specific real project involved mm-hmm. with that. It was mm-hmm. quite some time ago. How,
0: how did you like the the the, the area? I was in the, I was just in Torino this summer twice, um, so I didn't get to explore much uh, much of it. Obviously, Torino is beautiful. And it was Italy's first capital. And uh, so a lot of uh, very important uh, buildings, lots of museums, beautiful, let's call it Boulevard, Be- Belle Strade. Uh, so how was, uh, how was your um, experience in uh, Piedmont?
1: Uh, I've actually been to Torino many times since. Uh, Brant, the time I was there was still quite small. Like I say, Slow Food hadn't quite been the magnet mm-hmm. of uh, people that it is now. Uh, so it still, it still felt, I'm sure it still is very small, but... Um, I quite enjoyed it, and it, it was definitely a, a flip from, you know, listening to my Brooklyn Italian friends speak for, to suddenly a Piedmontese dialect. <laughs> was it was definitely a fascinating experience, but as you're saying, you know, having lived in Naples and, and and having just got back from Torino and Florence, and it was just... The different flavors, just well, just like you know, if you go from New York to Florida, you're gonna have a whole different set of experiences. <laughs> so, uh, quite the same here too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Naples is also uh, a beautiful um, city. It was the capital of culture back in the day, and uh, it is definitely a city that someone must visit. And, uh, uh, because again, there is, uh, uh, Naples and everyone and all the areas around, I mean, La Reggia di Caserta. If you go to Caserta, it's even bigger than Versailles. And there is so much richness and, uh, you know, and not to be missed. Napoli is the most vibrant, I think, um, city in, in, in Italy. You, it's, you can, there's nothing like Naples. Uh mm, in my in my in my in my opinion. There is that energy that comes from the streets and the motorini. You know, obviously there are motorini everywhere, but they're like zip zapping through these narrow streets and just uh uh the cordiality of the Neapolitans, the dialects. And sometimes even they're swearing, they're so creative in their swearing, there's like almost poetry. You're like, Oh, okay, they just called me blah blah blah, but it was so
1: <laughs> it was done in such a great way i'm so impressed
0: okay, thank you thank so you. much and uh and then you know it's uh every vowel has a different in uh, you know meaning based on the intonation that you uh whether it's a question or a comment or and then for anyone that loves um in addition to pizza we know about pizza but uh, in the surrounding areas the mozzarella di bufala. And really can go mozzarella di buffalo hopping because it's one cheese producer after, after another. And, uh, so it's, I definitely, you know, always recommend my, my, my students to go and, uh, uh, experience, uh, n- uh, Naples. And then during the holidays, you get also, well, you can get, uh, San Gregorio, but all the pieces for the Presepe mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, to collect, uh, let me see the, well, Any... that's what
1: just what ruined me in naples was literally being able to wake up in the morning and and go to my casa fico, go to my cheese shop and to be handed mozzarella directly out of the pot mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. like, fresh Man. and hot <laughs> like i i you know like, it's like every time i've had mozzarella since i'm like it's just not the same it's not uh-huh. the same
0: so you said now you have been in florence for about a year and a half for on the, the the project is here uh eventually your return to us um di- not dictated but kind of you're planning once you're done with all your research or you're planning to kind of move to be a resident long-term resident of italy well you know?
1: we'll see how it goes i've got I've, I've got the uh the Immigration appointments in the next few months. So we'll see see what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any other places that you've been to Italy um, that um, you would like to share your experience? Or maybe some of the places that um, uh, you would like to go and visit that you haven't gone to?
1: Well, yeah, I've still got, I don't want to say the problem, but the the bucket list of... I haven't, amusingly, I haven't been to enough of all of Europe, even though with, you know, all mm-hmm. the, the cheap flights, I haven't seemed to escape. But I, but now I'm kind of stuck in this idea of I've been to 15 regions of Italy. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to just finish them all. Just, yes, just go to <laughs> for a day. And so he could tick the box. I don't know uh-huh. why. I, what other reason there is to go to molise but
0: no, uh... molise is a very nice region it's uh you know offers more than what people give it uh credit uh to i was uh, i actually took a vespa my my brother has a custom made vespa sidecar and uh, so every summer we have a region that we uh travel extensively uh, uh to and uh, molise he was already familiar with it and i was actually very surprised because people said molise isn't and molise
1: is <laughs> 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 it has a lot to <laughs> yeah, offer the one that's I'm true.
0: missing is Valdaosta. So that's my 20th that I'm missing
1: yeah, I've not been quite there yet. I've been so close, like I, I was in in a part of the Alps in Piedmont where I could see the Valle d'Aosta. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not quite there yet. But I, I, talking about something I'm, I know, I'm pretty sure the Germans have, have discovered, they always get there first, uh, but Friuli for Americans is not visited enough. Mm-hmm. I mean I mm-hmm. love Friuli I mean, it, it, like if someone said okay you, we're sorry you have to move to udne or or to cormons I'd be like oh shucks. okay I'll be, I'll be right there
0: yes um it's uh yes it, it's becoming you know Italy uh the families from uh Friuli you know they might be uh Lydia bastianich although just isria and uh so it's that's also where the uh we have also the the prosciutto san daniele because everyone thinks about you know prosciutto parma but uh, um and many other uh industries there um also the manufacturing of uh, uh cruise ships uh and uh is uh, a very popular uh, industry there that back in the day people from the south will go and uh, work in this big uh, cantieri uh, for an extended uh, period of time. Um, so you said that there are uh, only five. Is by chance Sardinia within one of those
1: that you're missing, or one of those that you have visited? Yes. No, Sardinia is still on the list. Okay. okay. So
0: um, that's uh, that's where I, um, uh, I was uh, this summer, and I highly recommend the uh the outer obviously the seaside the coastline is to Mm -hmm. die for but for someone like yourself um um the uh intra-terra the inland is where you're going to find the true treasures of sardinia uh starting with the people obviously uh Mm -hmm. but then the many different traditions and the costumes and the gold uh uh traditions and uh so that's um that's my recommendation. Sardinia is very popular among the Italians, uh, but typically more as a you know the vacation spot because of the um, the sea being so pristine and uh, uh, the seaside. Um, well, we are pretty much coming close to um, our conversation, and I was wondering if you uh, don't mind uh, sharing your content details or where people can get um, um, the book or some, I see that you also offer uh, workshops,
1: right? I do uh, photographic workshops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I would say most of the time it's, it's device independent. If you just, if all you have is an iPhone, I will, you you can happily work you through how to take better pictures on your iPhone, but it's also for, I will say, uh, from beginner to intermediate photographers that want to come to Florence and see Florence while learning some ph- photographic work is uh what I do, and a couple of times it has turned into uh show me all the wine doors. That's happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here you go. Now let's show go. me how to take better pictures of the wine. <laughs> 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 so that's no problem um and then so but then I do this everything everywhere from a three-hour to a two-day um, mm-hmm. workshop for photography here in Florence uh, I could also do portrait sessions of, I call it you know the paparazzi session where you're just on vacation and I follow you around and send you the pictures uh then for the book uh in the United States this is the best way to get or I'll say North America is the best way to get it here I can I can ship worldwide so that's no problem and then i've got the lovely tote bag you know you
0: know you know that
1: that toad is coming to pittsburgh very soon <laughs> oh it, it, it's actually really great and then i had somebody request a jigsaw puzzle which i thought was well that's a good idea that, <laughs> is,
0: that is absolutely uh, a great idea yes uh Isn't perfect it? also for the holidays when fem- you know families get together and uh so uh I think that will be a great addition to the school because we always have activities. I th- okay. I'm keep on
1: shopping. I also do any, any image of the, of any particular single wine door you'd like. I don't have them all up here as individual items to order, but you can just contact me and I can uh, do you uh, any kind of size uh, material framed, unframed, high-end paper uh, posters as you, you know, than I did several custom orders already you can get a gift card for anyone who might like any yes. photography afford and let people then pick
0: their own their own uh, preferred gift now uh, the uh, just going back to the photography for a second mm-hmm. the digital versus you know still um, do you get to print your own pictures anymore you know yourself have you ever done that or you were already directly to the into the digital uh, world?
1: Well, it, it, it's been both. I, I have had two or three exhibitions of the work. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I've had other people, uh, let's see, I wonder, I mm, wonder where I put that. Someone ordered a, nope, it's not there, um, a four foot by three foot metal uh, print of the of the grid. I was like wow you it's bigger in your house than it is in mine <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I'm on I'm about to order a, a actually a, a fairly mm-hmm. large version of uh, actually I'm about to order get a full version of that
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, if, if anybody
1: wants to emulate this shot this is from the tower of the of uh, the Palazzo Vecchio so. mm-hmm. but it was oh, also no. in the stairs. So it was like what, having people come behind it all whole time. I'm like, I'm trying to take a picture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Robin, I can just tell you that, you know, personally, I've enjoyed tremendously, um, you know, chatting with you, learning uh, all about your uh, project. And again, those, those projects, you know, they start with curiosity. But to me, they're very, they're invaluable because they're going to leave a permanent record of a history that is no longer there, <clears throat> that not uh, many people might be uh, familiar with. And uh, so having, you know, I had the persistence and the perseverance to go after um, this, uh, this project, your vision is, um, I thank you on behalf of uh, millions of other individuals who will definitely, uh, through your publication, um, get to experience uh, Florence and also this will be great even with when traveling with children because sometimes to keep them you know moving around a city nearly where there are like thousands of churches everywhere and you know a lot of paintings that um, you know maybe a younger audience might not be huh, we know <laughs> have so much interest in at least this can also turn into something that makes it a family way of um, um, discovering, uh, discovering Florence. So without any further ado, because I know it's getting late for you, uh, past your dinner time. Um, unfortunately, our time is up, and it's time to say uh, arrivederci and alla prossima. And- uh, uh, we want to thank uh, um, to thank you for tuning in to the program. If you have any questions or comments, or if you have any troubled topics you would like us to address, please contact us at the Radio Hour at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And remember, if you or any of your family and friends have missed a prior episode or would like to listen to this episode again please visit our website at www.institutomondoitaliano.org and click on the Italian Radio Hour tab. We would like to thank our guest Robin Gisling, some, uh, our sponsors, Instituto Mondo Italiano, La Prima Espresso, and Alla Boara for the music. If you're not living in the Pittsburgh area or might be out of town, Remember, you can catch us streaming live at khbradio.com every Thursday at 5 o'clock. And be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at Italian Radio Hour. Until next time, alla prossima. Ciao, ciao!